Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Because if Boaz was ashamed of Ruth, the conversation between Boaz and his foreman would have gone something like this in Ruth 2, verse 6 and 7. The servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitish damsel, Boaz. Oh, no, I don't want a Moabitish damsel in my field. Then he says, that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Naomi, she must be the widow of Naomi's son. Oh, no, that means this Moabitish damsel is related to me. And that's a real disaster. We have a problem. We have a problem on our hands. We not only have a Moabite woman working in the field, we have a Moabite woman who's related to me working in the field. We got to get rid of her. My reputation's at stake as she has to go and never be seen near me again. And then verse 7, and she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. The Boaz said, why did you let her into the field? Why did you say yes? Then the verse goes on. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Oh, he says, it gets worse. This Moabite woman does not, she doesn't make herself scarce. She's around here. She's there. She's out there all day long in broad daylight. At least she spent more time in the rest house. The neighbors wouldn't see her. But Boaz is not that Boaz. He's just the opposite. Instead, the conversation between Boaz and the foreman goes more like this. Uh, verse 6, servants said over the reapers, answered, said, it's a Moabitish damsel. A Moabitish damsel? That's interesting. I have a heart to reach the lost Moabites with the knowledge of God. It's wonderful that God sent a Moabite to show that I can show the love of God to. And then that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Boaz says, wait, you're telling me that this Moabite young lady has come back with Naomi out of the country of Moab? You're telling me that she has bravely left her idols to come to God? You're telling me that she's bravely left her idol-worshiping country of Moab to come to God? You're telling me that she has bravely left her idol-worshiping Moabite people to come to God? She's bravely left her idol-worshiping Moabite family to come to God? You're telling me that she's bravely come out of Moab and it's God's to come with Naomi to her God? We're so fortunate to have such a brave woman like this in our field. And verse 7, and she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Boaz, you mean that she wants to come to my field and glean and gather after my reapers? You mean that you didn't ask such a brave woman to come into my field? You mean that she asked if she could come to my field? We're so honored. We're so honored to have such a brave woman to come into the field. For an example, example to everyone, what does it mean to follow God at any cost? So she came, verse 7, she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried not a a little in the house. Oh, he says, and Boaz says, oh, he said, this is unbelievable. So now you're telling me that not only did this wonderful, brave woman ask to come to the field, but now you're telling me that she's worked nonstop 
from morning till now and takes very short breaks? This is incredible. He says, all of my workers should look at her. <laughs> he says, <laughs> he said, she's not only a brave woman, she's diligent. We are so blessed to have this wonderful, brave, diligent woman in our field. Give her prominence in the field. Tell everyone, I want her protected. Give it a place of honor. See, the picture of Boaz, not ashamed of Ruth, is a challenge for us. Because in that picture, Ruth is like the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are like Boaz. Ruth was like the Lord Jesus Christ because of the place they both came from. Ruth was despised because she was from Moab, and Moab was a despised place. And the Lord Jesus Christ was despised because he was from Nazareth, and Nazareth was a despised place. As it says in John 1.46, Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And so just as Ruth was despised for her background, the Lord Jesus Christ is despised for his background. But Boaz was not ashamed of Ruth. And the question is, are we ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ? And because Boaz openly associated himself with Ruth, he wanted everyone to know, I'm not ashamed of Ruth. And do we openly tell everyone that we worship the Lord Jesus Christ and we're not ashamed of him? The Lord Jesus Christ made it very crystal clear that now is the time we need to go out of our way and not be ashamed of him. As he said in Mark 8.38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. He made it very clear that to not be ashamed of him, it'll have a cost. But it's worth it. It's worth it. As he said in Mark 10.32.38, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I came to send peace on earth. I am not come to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. See, sometimes to not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, it costs. And it costs splitting a home right down the middle. I like my Jewish friend uh, in New York who received the Lord Jesus Christ just from watching my testimony DVD. And then when he told his wife, she told him, we can't live together anymore. And they've been married for over 30 years. And my friend, he didn't blink. And he told her, I'm not turning back from the Lord Jesus. Fortunately, she blinked. And she didn't move out, thank God. But it has happened where to not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ has cost a Christian his spouse. And if a Christian stands firm as my friend did, and is not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into that Christian's life is not coming with peace in the home. But it's equivalent of a sword in the home. And if a man will find, and and a man may find that his own enemies are right there in his own household. And the only way for that Christian to survive is to take up his cross. But if a person buckles under the pressure and is ashamed 
of the Lord Jesus and denies him when the Lord Jesus said that he would deny that person. And it so much comes down to what a person does under pressure, which is why he puts it in the individual with the him, him, him. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before a man, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. Whosoever deny me before a man, him will I deny before my Father. This is what Samuel meant when he told King Saul that Jehovah Jesus had rejected him from being king anymore. And he said in 1 Samuel 2.30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house of thy father should walk before me forever, but now the Lord saith, be it far from me. For them that honor me will I honor. Them that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. David made it a point to speak openly of the Lord before kings who did not believe in the Lord. And to not be ashamed of him when he said in Psalm 119, verse 46, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. So David determined, I'm not going to buckle. I won't buckle when I speak before kings and authorities. When I speak about Jehovah Jesus, it'll be without shame and I won't buckle. But tragically, tragically, the parents of the blind man in John chapter 9, they buckled under the authorities. They buckled it with shame, and they did not confess that Jesus is Lord. And it says in John 9, 22, these words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. The Bible clearly states that confessing without shame that Jesus is Jehovah, that Jesus is God, is what saves a person. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, the God Jesus, then shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, Paul exhorted Timothy, don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. Or Paul, when he said in 2 Timothy 1.18, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. It's when we openly declare that Jesus is God that we lay hold on eternal life. And Paul told Timothy that he had seen how he was not ashamed of the Lord Jesus. And Paul encouraged Timothy, continue on to not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. And remember Paul told Timothy, remember how the Lord Jesus did not buckle under Pilate, the authority, Roman authority. A person seals their salvation, and God dwells in that person when that person openly declares without shame that Jesus is God. That's what John said in 1 John 4, 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. See, that's not, that's not just, just a person that's saying, Jesus is my Savior or the master of my life. That, a person can say that Jesus is the Savior, master of life, and not believe that Jesus is God. But John makes it very clear in John 4.15 that a person must openly declare Jesus is God. That's why when a person prays the sinner's prayer, we try to get him to go out and openly declare Jesus is God. Because the open confession without shame that Jesus is God determines salvation. And, and this is the debar. This is the critical issue for a person's salvation is as he openly declaring Jesus is God. Each person determines his own salvation based on whether or not he is without shame declaring Jesus is God. It all comes down to that. 
And when it's time for a person to make a clear, clear statement that Jesus is God, that's a critical crossroads of life. And as soon as Boaz heard about Ruth in verse 6, it's the Moabitish damsel, he was at that critical crossroads. Which Boaz is he going to be? The one that's ashamed of Ruth or the one that's not ashamed of Ruth? And that's why verse 8 is so important when it says, Then Boaz said unto Ruth. So what we see here is Boaz breaking off his conversation with the foreman to go directly to speak to Ruth. He was not ashamed of her poverty. He was not ashamed that she was his relative. He was not ashamed that she was a Moabite and his relative. And so what we see here, something wonderful that he said to her in verse 8, he says, Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? It's very important to see Boaz and make sure that Ruth clearly understands when Boaz is speaking to her that he is not saying to Ruth that starting when he says, Hearest thou my daughter? The key to understanding what Boaz was saying to Ruth is to see this last thing that he said to her in this little passage there. Hearest thou not my daughter? Before he spoke, that's the first thing he said, before he spoke to her. And the last thing he said in verse 12, he said, You have the Lord, you have the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. See, when Boaz said, Hearest thou not my daughter? And then he says, The Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. What he's saying is that he wanted her to hear and understand that she had come to trust under the wings of the God of Israel that that's where Boaz was. And so Boaz was trusting under the same wings of the Lord God of Israel. He's not addressing her as the landowner or the big boss by calling her my daughter and a person who has come to trust under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. Boaz wanted Ruth to understand that he viewed her as together with him trusting under the same wings of the Lord God of Israel. That was what made them part of the same family. Boaz was not saying to Ruth that he was together with her in the same family because of blood relationship. Boaz, when he says, my daughter, Boaz is saying to Ruth, when he says, my daughter, that they're in the same family because Boaz and Ruth had run and now found themselves together, trusting under the same wings of the Lord God of Israel. See, what did Boaz mean? When he said in verse 12, when he told Ruth that he knew that she had come to trust under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. What does it mean to be under the wings of the Lord God of Israel? What is this place that's called under the wings of the Lord God of Israel? The Lord God of Israel is Jehovah Jesus. So who are those who are under the wings of Jehovah Jesus, God of Israel? Who comes under the wings of the Lord God of Israel? The last three words in verse 12, Boaz describes everyone who's under those wings when he says in the last three words, Ruth 2.12, come to trust. Everyone who is under the wings of Jehovah Jesus, the Lord God of Israel, has come to trust. They are all trusting in Jehovah Jesus, which is what Moses said in Psalm 91.4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Under his wings shalt thou trust. We are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, and that puts us under his wings. Moses said in that verse, God's truth would be our shield and our buckler, which are really two types of shield. One is the buckler, it's a shield that's strapped to the forearm, and the other one is the shield that's held by the fist. And they offer a more complete protection. 
So when Moses says, his truth shall be thy shield, neck, and thy buckler, he's saying that those who are under the wings of the Lord God of Israel are trusting God's truth, the Bible, for their complete protection. Under the wings of the Lord God of Israel, we trust that the Bible is absolutely true. And we see from verse 12 that when Boaz used the term come, which he does, you are come, he says, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wing thou art come to trust, he's emphasizing that Ruth had come to trust in the Lord God of Israel. Boaz had also come to trust in the Lord God of Israel. The word come means that he knew that Ruth was not trusting in God all her life, and Boaz was not trusting in God all his life. And there's no such thing as a person who has been a Christian all their life. Everyone comes to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a time in every believer's life when he realizes he's a sinner and he receives the Lord Jesus Christ as God and Savior. Now, why did Ruth come to trust under the shadow of the wings of the Lord God of Israel? This question applies to us. And anyone who has come to trust under the shadow of the wings of the Lord God of Israel. Why does anyone come to trust under the shadow of the wings of the Lord God of Israel? David gives us the answer. In Psalm 36, 7, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. See, it's because of the excellent loving kindness of God. It's when a person sees that the loving kindness, the chesed of God is excellent, that he comes to put his trust under the shadow of the wings of God. See, when a person sees The excellent loving kindness in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then he'll run under the shadow of the wings by becoming one of the ones, in the end of that verse, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We have seen that under the wings of the Lord Jesus Christ, excellent loving kindness of God, and we see it's a place of trusting. Now David told us, that under the wings of God is also a place of rejoicing. He said in Psalm 63, 7, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Under his wings, Boaz and Ruth, they both rejoiced because they knew that as the chicken would have no place under the hen's wings unless the hen opened up her wings. And so they would have no place under the wings of God, unless God opened up his wings. And we rejoice under those wings because Jehovah Jesus used one word to describe his willingness to open his wings in Matthew 23, 37, when he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. See, the word would How often would I have gathered? It tells us that he opens his wings in a statement of willingness. He says, yes, I want you to come under my wings. You see, I've opened them up for you. And Boaz and Ruth, they both knew that the only reason that both of them had come under the wings of the Lord God of Israel is because the Lord God of Israel had opened this place of protection called the shadow of of the Lord God of Israel because he opened his protecting wings. Now, what do we do when we're stressed and we just need a place to 
go. We need a place to hide from all the pressures that are just closing in on us. David said, Psalm 17, 8 through 9, Keep me as the apple of thine eyes. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about. See, under the wings of God is a hiding place. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls the place under the wings of God a place of refuge in Psalm 57.1. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. See, in that verse, David has said that he was trusting God in the shadow of his wings and he's going to make his refuge. And as David said that, we can see David at this time. He's running away from Saul. He's trying to kill him. And he's all over those hills of Angedi by the Dead Sea. And we see him and he's going from cave to cave and he's approaching this cave. And he said, this looks like the perfect cave for me to be safe from Saul. And we see he finds that cave and he says, this cave will I make my refuge. In exactly the same way. He's, David is looking at the wings of Jehovah, and he says in Psalm 57, 1, In the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. That's exactly what's meant by the song, till the storm passes by. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face. While the storm howls above me, there's no hiding place. Mid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by, till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Oh, be fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. That's exactly what he meant when he said, I will make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed till the storm passes by. In the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Isaiah knew that, that under the wings of God there was a refuge when he said in Isaiah 4, 6, and there shall be a tabernacle or a tent for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a covert from storm and from rain. So we've seen Under the wings of God that Boaz was referring to is a place of trusting, it's a place of hiding, it's a place of rejoicing till the storm passes by. But because under the wings of Jehovah Jesus is a place to trust, it's a place to hide, it's a place to rejoice, Moses said, it's a place to stay. He said in Psalm 91.1, he that dwelleth or he that stays in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, under the shadow of the Almighty, it's not a place ever to leave. It's a place to stay, a place to abide. 2,000 years ago, Jehovah Jesus himself, he speaks of the wings and he uses this word in the special place. We see him then spreading his wings of Jehovah Jesus. Now he's out in the open and he's saying, and as we said, he steps into full sight 2,000 years and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest them that are sent unto thee and killest the prophets, how often would I have gathered thy children together? He's gathered thy children. He says, Gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. He would not. He uses this word to describe under his wings. It's a place of gathering. Gather thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. See, under the wings 
of Jehovah Jesus is a gathering place. Each of us, when we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, we ran alone, one by one, under those wings. As it says in Isaiah 27, 12, you shall be gathered one by one, O you children of Israel. When we came there, one by one, under the wings, we looked around, we saw we're not alone. We saw that there were others under those wings too. And that's because they came to that place of trust and hiding and rejoicing. And then we realized the term, gathered. He's gathered us. You shall be gathered one by one. I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wing. I mean, look around this morning, and you see the ones that have been gathered. And this is what Boaz said to Ruth in verse 12. Under whose wings thou art come to trust. See, Boaz saw Ruth as a person who had come to trust under the wings of God. Boaz saw himself as a person who had come to trust under the wings of God. And so by calling her my daughter, he addressed her not as a Moabite, but as an equal who had come as he had to trust under the wings of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for those wings, the wings of God that you've opened up for us. You opened them up, Lord, and then you said, come. And Lord, we came, and now we're rejoicing in there. We're trusting in there. We're hiding in there. And we're seeing others that you've gathered together in there. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful love. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.